Hey mates, thank you for lending me your ear on this beautiful day. I'm sitting out the front of Whole Foods, just had a meal, hanging out with my brother and his girlfriend. Uh, I'm in Kitsilano, the sun is shining. It's September the 18th, which is my birthday. So having a really good time here. There's a lot of background noise, obviously, because I'm just chilling out in public. But yeah, just thought I'd share a little bit of what's going on in my mind at the moment before we start this episode with Andy Zaremba. I, you know, always do a bit of reflecting uh, each birthday as I've gotten older and, you know, been able to notice some more mistakes that I make in my life. And what I wrote down today, or what I thought about when I was lying in bed this morning was incongruencies and the difference between who I think I am versus who I really am. So what I mean by that is how do I think I'm being perceived or how do I think I am acting versus if I take an outside perspective and look at myself acting in life. So an example would be I think of myself as a healthy person and I put my health as a priority, yet sometimes I'll drink and sometimes that feels like it's incongruent with who I am and who I, who I say I am. So just a little bit of a thought, uh, food for thought as you go throughout your day. Where are you saying you are somebody you're actually not acting that in real life? But anyway, let's move on to this episode with Andy's Remember, It was uh, definitely didn't go where I expected it to go, which is always the best type of interview. We spent a bit of time chatting before to get the lips loose and really talked about some interesting experiences with how you yourself can master your emotions and get the things done that you need to do. He really he really has created a successful business, successful podcast and makes an incredible impact throughout this city and throughout this country. And it's a great episode to really see into the mind of somebody that puts in the work and is really honest and open with his emotions, his feelings, and what he wants out of life. So this is a great episode for you if you are trying to figure that out. How do you stay on track with the things you know you need to get done, which is a common theme here? And how do you still get what you want emotionally and connect with the people that you care about in your life? Check it out. All right, all right. Okay, perfect. Um, So welcome back, guys. As always, pleasure to have you on. Today we've got Andy Zaremba. I'm super pumped for this episode. Uh, We've been having a bit of a check-in chat. How are you, mate? I'm doing excellent, man. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, really good. Just copped a little bit of sunshine in the car and yeah, ready to to go. Um, So we'll just, you know, as the style is, we just jump straight in the deep end here. We're going to go for that high and low for the week. Um, You can answer this, as we were saying, however the hell you want. Um, and I'll model that. So for me, um, start with the low for the week. I mean, it's been a hell of a week, so I don't honestly mm. really have much to, much to say about that. I've had a really great week. Um, so I'll ride that and the high, I think, uh, I spent a really good like few days um, or like, you know, two days with some friends, um, met some new people, my girlfriend went swimming in Lynn Canyon and just, just had a real good reconnect. 
um, you know, with one of my best friends, Tashar, as well. And it was just, it was a great couple of days. So that was definitely awesome, brother. Yeah. Sounds like you're enjoying the weather in Vancouver while it lasts. Definitely, definitely. I've heard about what's around the corner. So I'm, I'm, I'm ringing it for all I got. Yeah. That's excellent, man. Yeah. So for myself, highs and lows. Um, I'd say I've had uh, some highs and lows for sure in the last week. One of the, uh, let's start with the lows and end on the positive. One of the lows was actually at, uh, I was at the mall. I was at Metro Town with my daughter and we were shopping. We were going back to school shopping. And uh, uh, we'll get into more details around this later. But we had an incident at the mall where she just completely freaked out and, and lost her shit. And, it, you know, it's so funny because when something like this happens and I can feel that tension or that anger or frustration building up within myself, like I'm, I'm pretty aware of my emotions and when they come on and I, and I, and I'm like, okay, this is a test. How are you going to respond to this? Right? This is, this is embarrassing. She's screaming her head off in front of hundreds of people at the mall for sure. And I'm carrying her out. She's like being completely uncooperative. She's throwing her shoes on the floor um, doing the things that she does when she wants to resist. And, um, you know, it kept going and going and going and the tension mounted and mounted and mounted. And I completely lost my, my temper with her and she's only eight. And there are some things with, uh, with her and her medical condition, which I don't necessarily want to disclose fully, uh, what her diagnosis is. But, um, so some of the times when she acts out like this, it's not exactly her fault. And I know this, but it was like this mounting, mounting tension. All the time it was happening, I'm like, okay, this is a test. How are you going to respond? How are you going to deal with this? And uh, it mounted and mounted. And finally, I snapped. I yelled. I got angry with her. And, and, and the funny thing is, she didn't get upset about that. She got more angry at me. And it, and it turned into this really, it was, it was just bad. It was just anger and frustration. And she felt it. I felt it. And, um, and then she has these, some communication issues. And after it was, after this incident had, had happened, she, all she could utter was the words were happy now. And when she said happy now, my heart just totally sank because I knew she was having a freak out because of like her, her condition. Um, and I knew that it was possibly not her fault, but the tensions got so hot that I couldn't control my emotion at that point, uh, even though I was aware of trying to control my emotions. And then when she said happy now, it was her way of just saying like, okay, I've got this under control. I'm good now, we can move on. And then when she said that, I'm like, oh, and it's just like, my heart just sunk and I'm like, yeah, you know, I lost my temper. So I went, opened the car door, talked to her, I'd be like, you know, you know, I kind of broke down what happened, broke down why I got upset, broke down why she was doing was not okay. and. Um, and we had a little talk about it and then we went on with our day. But, you know, I get, I kind of beat myself up when I go into situations when I know uh, I could do better in terms of being the parent and, and controlling my emotions where I didn't. So that was the low. The high for this week was um, definitely getting married. And uh, I've been with my partner, Lisa, for five years now. We've been engaged since June, December 2017. We actually got engaged. I proposed her on top of Wayne Apichu in Peru which was pretty epic. It was like an epic trek up there. I was at the top of Wayne Apichu, which is just outside of Machu Picchu. So it was a pretty epic proposal. Um, 
we got married uh, last week and we did a really small ceremony with immediate family only. And it was, I'm, I'm like, yeah, you know, no big deal. Getting married. Nothing's going to be different afterwards. But man, when, when that ceremony came around, it was just hit me. And like, I was standing up at the front, like waiting for her. We had, um, we had, we did a sacred ceremony. So it wasn't religious in context, but we had someone uh, who we believed in, in terms of what their spiritual beliefs might be. And she did ceremony. And when I saw uh, Lisa, I just couldn't stop crying. And then my family couldn't stop crying. And like my dad and my brother, and like, it was just this huge emotional thing. And then my daughter was there and we did this, this uh, sand ceremony. So like, you know, my daughter's from a previous relationship, but what we did was we had three vessels and we took sand from the beach and we all put intention into those sands. And uh, to, to sort of unite our family, we all poured our vessels into a bigger custom, like awesome, really awesome glass vessel we had made for us for the wedding. So all of our sands mixed together, symbolizing that our family is now like, you know, officially one family on more of like an energetic level. So the wedding was definitely the high for the past week. Dude, that's probably one of the, like the best check-ins I've heard. That was epic. Thanks for diving in deep. Um, <laughs> that was cool. No problem. Um, so yeah, like I, I got got a couple of those uh, that I'd love to riff down. Firstly, um, I'd love to hear how you communicate with uh, your daughter um, as as an eight year old. Because um, like I, um, you know, like I work like a bit with young guys, like my age and a little bit younger, and then. When um, I was back in Australia, my brother and I used to work with um, kids that we would be like buddies for uh, kids with autism and stuff like that. And uh, and my brother, you know, got expelled from school and stuff like that for having ADHD and being naughty and swearing at t- teachers and stuff. And then, yeah. you know, funny enough, went back and worked with youth at risk kids in outdoor um, ed and abseiling, rock climbing, all that fun stuff. And... You know, he just like one of the biggest things was like he just wanted to be communicated to normally instead of people thinking like just because he's a kid, they think you're stupid. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just love to hear how you, how you do that with, with your daughter and how yes. you communicate that something like that, um, what you were saying, that really emotional um, tension or that real depth of what you were feeling uh, to her and share that experience with her. Yeah, well, I can definitely resonate with exactly that experience actually. Um, you know, there's listened to this really good audio book a little while ago by Temple Grandin, and it's called The Autistic Brain. And, um, you know, the way they sort of break it down in that book, and it's, it's an interesting categorization that a lot of people don't think about too often. And there's neurotypical people like you and I who can communicate, reg- you know, relatively normally and we under, have a common understanding of reality in the world and, and things affect us, you know, relatively the same. Uh, and then there's neuroatypical people, which would cover who are like on the spectrum, Asperger's, all sorts of different, you know, anywhere within that realm, neuroatypical. And, you know, those, you know, my daughter is on, on the neuroatypical side of things. So that's why we have some of those communication issues. Uh, so I think it's a little bit different in my case than it would be for, uh, let's say, neurotypicals uh, communicating with each other because you, you can have a more direct communication potentially like there's more mutual understanding our experiences of the world are more similar than that of my daughter now that's that's not to say that you and i would have the same experience of the world of course we all see the world through 
through our own veils, right? The veils of our past, through our past experiences, which we, we, you know, interpret everything that's happening to us. But we do have a more of a common understanding. And, uh, you know, neural atypical people, you know, things that benign to us can be absolutely terrifying to them, like unexpected sounds, things like that. So dealing with somebody like that, I think it makes it a little bit more challenging. However, when I, when I communicate with, uh, with her as an eight, you know, I do have to sort of wade through like, okay, when is she being like a bratty eight-year-old kid or when is the eight, you know, the neurotypical stuff coming up? And, um, you know, it's interesting. It's an interesting navigation, I would say, but what I try to do is, uh, communicate clearly and also be fair and consistent so it's like really being consistent with the types of behaviors I expect out of her. So, so I'm not all over the map. So she's seeing sort of a consistent version of what I expect out of her as opposed to being all over the place. So I try to be very consistent. Um, and I'm also a big one I'm trying to teach her is uh, delayed gratification. I, I think I think this is one of the biggest skills you can teach any young person starting at any age, but the younger, the better is the idea of delayed gratification, being able to postpone, you know, what they want now for the future. In, in, in essence, making a sacrifice in the present to create something better in the future. So I really focus on this idea of, you know, you can, you can, you know, you can have this thing right now, but if you, if you choose not to have that right now, you can actually have more or something better in the future. So teaching her. What's delayed a, would you be able to just give us, give us an example of that just for the, I was listening. What's an example that you? For example, um, one of her, totally. Like one of her examples. One of the examples that we use uh, with my daughter would be, she has trouble uh, eating. So, um, you know, I make sure that she she finishes all the food, and no matter how long that takes, um, you know, sometimes it takes twenty minutes, sometimes it takes an hour and a half, and we sit there and we go through the whole thing, and she won't be rewarded until she actually completes all that food. And when, she, when she's rewarded, then, then she has to, you know, of course, wash her hands, wash her mouth, and then she'll get her reward, which is typically the iPad. She loves playing on the iPad, which I know it's like, yes, we, everyone has a ton of screen time. I don't believe in sheltering kids from screen time because I think it's going to be part of their life regardless if we like it or not. Um, but I think it's teaching her the proper relationship with that, te with that technology. But um, yeah, going back to the, the question is just like, giving her the reward after she's done the work. And I think that's such a huge skill that we can teach young people where if, if you know, they're willing to, to make sacrifices in the present for longer term, uh, you know, gains or gains in the future, I think that's an invaluable skill. And how would I, as an adult, um, could I practice that myself? It's, it's really simple. Like reward yourself after you have, completed something difficult or something you've been putting off, you know, or like, you know, it could be as simple as one thing I did was, uh, I got to negotiate with myself constantly, like constantly. I'll be like, if I do X, I can have Y. I do that all the time throughout my entire life. And that works really well. Um, one of the big projects I was putting off for a long time last year was going through all of my old storage unit and just like purging my past. And it was so crazy going through that experience because it's like, I'm literally going into 
boxes from my childhood, unpacking it, looking at old toys, old photos of family members. And it was kind of like this weird journey through my subconscious. And it was sort of parallel to doing that because it's like these boxes that are packed away in the bottom of my building and they're just sort of swept away. But then make, going through that process of like digging and like looking at this stuff and being like, well, yeah, I, I attach meaning to these things because that's what I call my life. But I'm like, well, you know, it's like the mental really baggage that you've like swept away into the corner of your brain. You're like, I'm totally. it's, it's, let's, let's see what's inside. It's bad either. It's, you know, it's, not, it's it could be good, could be bad, but it's like, you know, why am I holding on to these things? So going through that process of like purging all this stuff and keeping some, you know, keepsakes that are important. It'll, it'll hopefully spark some memories when I'm older, but, um, but going through that process. And then after that, I would reward myself with something, you know, maybe a nice dinner out or, or, uh, typically yeah, food's a good one for me. I love eating, but you know, reward yourself with something that you really want after you've completed something difficult. Okay. So like I think a, it's important. A question, just to riff off those, that, like those, a question I ask at the end, of every episode yeah. is, you know, what is something that you reward yourself with? And we get really specific. Like some people love coffee. Some people love having a big fat stogie, like maybe some pizza. What is it that, that you, you know, typically love to reward yourself with? It's, it's uh, again, food, like going out for just an amazing meal. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes it's something really indulgent, like uh, going and getting a massage or, or something like that. It's something super nurturing, super indulgent. Mm-hmm. It's like in a way, like going, going, renting a cabin, going away for the weekend, something like that. But just, you know, I think rewarding yourself for that behavior because what you're you're doing is you're, you're sort of setting yourself up for for the potential of, of having greater success, right? If you can work your way through the problem and you can have that instant gratification and work through it and then reward yourself. I feel like that is sort of the recipe for accomplishing anything that you want in your life. And did you already have that uh, self-negotiation skill before you moved to BC, or was it like like how did you develop that? Was it innate? Or... I'm gonna go back to when I was like, yeah. Well, I'm gonna go back to when I was nine years old, and this is something that I can say as one skill that's transferred over from my childhood, my teenage years, and into my adult life, which has really served me well. And um, I used to play you know, Canadian or American rules football. And they, you know, they started me playing when I was nine and I used to try to get in shape before, before the season. And I'd go and run laps around the track. Right. And I used to negotiate my, with myself the entire time um, about running, how, running how many laps just as a way to get in shape. So I, I would, I would basically be in this constant negotiation with myself and just do one more, just finish one more and you can have X afterwards. And a lot of times it wasn't even, uh, a physical reward. It was actually me just praising myself, leading that task, like giving for doing the job instead of giving myself something. Especially when you're nine, you don't you can't find any anyways. Um, and that skill in football transferred over to entrepreneurship amazingly well. Like when I was twelve, all I had to do in the entire world was earn a scholarship to play football in the states. That's all I wanted to do. So from the age of twelve to the end of high school, all the way up to the age of 19, that was my main focus. And it's probably the only thing that made me graduate high school. I'm actually very low in uh, agreeableness. And another big five personality traits, uh, there's, um, let's see here, there's openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, neuroticism, and agreeableness. And I happen to be on like the 10th percentile or lower in personality traits 
agreeableness, which means that I really don't like being told what to do. So if I didn't have something like a carrot like enticing me to stay in school, I don't know if I would have finished high school. I probably would have graduated, but I'm like, I hated it. Like I hated being educated. I hated high school. It just sort of squeaked through. But hated it, it with a know, passion. My entire high school. What's that? I said I hated it with a passion. I was not a fan. Yeah. So, you know, football kept me going, right? That was my thing. I loved it. And I spent like, you know, every day after school, if it wasn't the season, I was in the weight room. I was training. In my summers, I was going to football camps. I was going to the States, going to like D1 colleges and like going to their football camps like two or three times per summer. And just like I geared my whole life towards that in like doing uh, camps and workshops and learning and training. And and I had that long-term goal that I wanted to earn a football scholarship and play in the States. And, uh, of course, at that time, I was like, yeah, I want to play for one of the big, you know, Division One schools. But, um, you know, because of my, my physical size, it just wasn't in the cards for me. But, you know, by sticking to that path and really working through that, um, you know, by the end of high school, I was awarded an athletic scholarship to play football in the States, overcoming massive adversity. Like, my junior year or grade 11th year which is a really big year for recruiting I actually uh, blew out my ACL so I had to have my knee reconstructed after the third game and it was you know at that time I was pretty devastated because I'm like this is a really bad injury and it could potentially completely screw my career uh, or my potential career and, and you know I had this just I didn't actually know that that level of pain existed before i was just like this is insane i'm like it was actually ridiculous to me i'm like why does my knee hurt this bad i had no idea that 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 level of pain even existed um and actually the nurses would say that that operation at the time was one of the most painful operations that they do in the orthopedic hospital and it definitely felt like it but you know weeks went on had the surgery started rehabbing it and i'd be on crutches like i you know when i come came back to school i'd be on crutches during my lunch hour and I'd have my friends like hoisting up dumbbells so I could do dumbbell press in the gym while I had my knee braced up while on crutches. So even though I had this terrible injury, I actually continued to work through that. Funny thing about that story, but I believe I actually wanted it to happen because I have this running in the back of my mind that it's not just good enough to go and earn a football scholarship. Like that's not hard enough to do on its own. So I had to actually over make it harder on myself and overcome some crazy adversity and then earn a scholarship just to show, well, maybe prove to myself that I was worthy in some way. So I actually intentionally made it harder on myself than I had to just to just just to prove something to myself, I think. Um, and it's really interesting how we can do that sometimes. Like I actually I was actually it's funny, I was inspired by this Budweiser commercial. Remember that whole uh, ad campaign series about this buds for you or whatever they had this one commercial where it's like this football player and he's running through the park with a knee brace on and they're going through his stats being like, you know, you know, torn ACL, three reconstructive surgeries, rehab, training, blah, 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 and equals one comeback. And then of course this buds for you. And I saw that commercial running on that time. And I'm like, I want that to happen to me. I'm like, totally do I blow my ACL. Yeah, I literally blew up my ACL, all right, had to get my knee reconstructed, rehabbed it, trained it, and then the next year earned a scholarship to play football in the States. So, you know, you 
be really careful about your inputs are and how they're affecting you. I think that's one thing that we overlook quite a bit is like the, the, the inputs that we take in and what we're paying attention to really can shape our reality in a very physical and real way. Okay. And um, is there a way or like you seem to be very aware of that, that pattern that you were making things more difficult potentially than they had to be. Have you, um, yeah. I guess, how have you educated you around that yourself around that to ensure your, you have success through your career, um, you know, past football and to continue, I guess, uh, growing and making things uh, shorter, a shorter time period rather than making it longer and harder than it has to be? Definitely. Um, I'm adverse to pain and I avoid it as much as I can. However, I feel like that thing that has stuck with me for a very long time. And it wasn't until I think the past five years where I actually made that connection about that story and be like, oh, you know, there's a good chance that, that I actually wanted that to happen. And now I, 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 I really watch myself on, on situations where, especially when I fantasize about becoming a martyr of some kind, you know, and these things still creep up in me. It's like if, if some terrible tragedy happened and blah, 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 you know, then I would get X. And usually I, my mind will go into these really strange tangents of like, like um, of these dark fantasies about something bad happening to me. And I'm like, whoa, like, what the fuck are you talking Dude, about? Dude, I, can, I can't believe how about? much like I can relate to that. 100%. Right. Like, so I'll do that clearly. And I catch myself because usually I'll be highly emotional when this is happening. Right. And then I'll be like, what the fuck are you doing? And and then but I know what I'm doing and what I'm actually doing is hoping something horrible will happen to me just so I can receive the love and admiration from other people. And it's such a crazy pattern. But now I'm like, be fucking really careful with that. That sort of if you want to talk about manifestation stuff of your reality, because, you know, in one way, shape or form, if it's metaphysical or if it's. Like you can actually really put yourself in bad situations based on what you're focusing your attention on. And so when I catch myself doing that, I stop, I gather myself because usually I'm in an emotional state and I'm just like, no, that's not what you want to have happen. You want X to happen because that would be a much better outcome for you and you wouldn't have to suffer nearly as much. So again, it really comes down to awareness of, of when that pattern shows up. And uh, would you say that it feels good to um, run that fantasy through your head though? In the moment, uh, when I when I do that, when, in the moment, I feel like again, it would be, yes, like I feel like it would be um, again some um, a major thing I could a hurdle I could climb within the admiration or respect or let's just say love of other people because of that immense challenge. Uh, so I have this weird like fantasy about like, like how much like love I would be getting because of this for some reason. And then I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, yeah, maybe you would get love if that happened, but maybe you can get love in other ways where you don't have to like go through some terrible hardship. Mm, absolutely. Like for me, it's more of like a, um, uh, like a hero, I guess, situation. And then, you know, like saving right. lives or something, but then, you know, potentially dying at the, at the end of that. And, yeah, I, and actually, I've had the exact same thing too. I've had the exact the hero situation where I like, like where I like run into uh, a burning building or a burning bus and save a bunch of uh, children or something, and I end up dying, and then everyone like you know showers me with love and praise, even though I'm back. Yeah, like that I do that 
I'm not such a weird fancy. It's interesting to hear that you do that too, because I wonder how common that is. I, I was like, really, like, I was definitely, I'm, I'm curious if it's similar to, um, I guess, that feeling, you know, how common it is for people to stand on the edge of a tall building or a big rock and be like, have that urge to jump, even though you know you're going to die and you, you know, like so many yeah. people, you don't do it, but it's so, once you mention it to a person, they're all, that someone else is usually like, yeah, same. Like I get that feeling yeah. as well. Like, Yeah. Mm. I, I think a lot of times again, it's maybe that's just their way of like screaming out for help or that they want love. And I think in that situation, when I was 19, I was more long suicidal as well. I had massive depression. Could have been potentially linked to head trauma. I don't know from playing football. But when I was 19, I definitely had, had issues like that. And a lot of the times, when I was in that, that sort of real self-loathing or self-pity or self-suffering, what I actually wanted was I wanted love from other people. That's what I felt like I wanted. I wanted connection. I wanted to have somebody reach out to me and tell me that they care. That's, <laughs> so... When people in that situation, a lot like now, men, it's you know, when men threaten suicide, it's actually more of a legit threat in general because men's suicide rates are typically higher. Um, so when males threaten suicide, it's you do need to take it very seriously. But I do think there is still a, a major like uh area where, where men are just crying out for help in those situations. Mm-hmm. And um, how uh, did you? Learn to get love in your life and fulfill that need that you have. I don't get love in my life. Yeah, like there was a need you were crying out I for. Yeah, you know, you're love like, in my life. yeah. How did you? How did yeah. you? Yeah. Well, uh, man, learn to get it? you know what, man? That question could be an eternal one for I think almost every human being on the planet. You know, I don't think it ever really stops. I think that's what every human being fundamentally really wants. In fact, when I was down in Peru um, during one of the Machuma Mesadas, uh, Wachuma, or commonly known as San Pedro, one of the big conclusions or one of the big epiphanal moments I had about all people, and this is all people, blanket statement, that everybody is actually just after love and acceptance. Everyone wants to gain love and acceptance. And I'm definitely in that category of people. Now, um, I guess this is a good place to potentially go into some of the plant medicine work that I've done because this has been definitely. some of the stuff that has, has shifted me and healed me more than anything. And of course, I'm not going to mention them without saying a brief caveat. Like if you, you know, don't, when you go, if you do pursue these things, make sure you go to a reputable place that screens you properly and make sure you answer the questions properly and make sure you're not getting yourself in any legal issues. So go to a country like Peru where it's completely legal. Like I did. Ayahuasca is legal, which is legal in Peru. Um, that aside, um, you know, the plants have been hugely instrumental to my own development and uh, healing, healing myself and, and showing me my blind spots more than anything. You know, one thing I think the plants do is they, they make uh, your unconscious a little bit more conscious. I think that's one thing that they do. And when you're in a ceremony and you drink that cup of ayahuasca or wachuma, I tell you what, there is no getting out until that thing runs its course. And you have to endure everything that it shows you. And, and sometimes it can be hard as hell. Uh, other times it can be blissful and euphoric. But, you know, coming back to this idea of self-love, I was actually in this ayahuasca ceremony. And um, 
this has been a recurring theme for me. And this is something that, you know, I think a lot of men will be able to resonate with. And throughout my 20s and maybe even through my early 30s, um, I really put women on a pedestal, you know, and I would really admire and chase after. I would really want to, like, you know, like sleep with women or get validation from women in some way. And, um, and these things were coming up for me when I was in ceremony. I'm like, why did I have these, these habits or, or why do I have these urges and slash habits? And I was seeking something through women and I'm not exactly sure. Well, I actually, I'm pretty sure I know what it was, I think, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, it, I was seeking for something through other people, but women in particular, and I was in this ayahuasca ceremony and I was just getting crushed by the medicine. Like I was like in just a hole. I felt alone. I was just, all I wanted to do was connect to somebody. And of course I went to a woman. I went to my partner at the time. I'm like, I wanted to go to and look at Lisa. I just wanted to look into her eyes and I wanted to connect to her and tell her that I love her. And I wanted love back from her. And I was thinking about the ceremony because I was just so alone and so uh, like, just like, desperate for connection and then i had this shift and i'm like yes okay you're looking for connection but connection to what what do you really want connection to um and again for a long time i was looking for that connection through people through women through whatever um and what the answer i got or received was was you're looking for connection to something higher than yourself and potentially through yourself. It's going to get a little bit esoteric for sure. But the answer that I received was I was looking for this love um, through other people when really the only way I can experience love is through myself or, you know, through myself, through say a higher consciousness. And, um, the best realization I can I had from that, and I, I still want love. Everybody wants love. Like that's that is a universal for human beings. We all want love and connection. We are social creatures. We've evolved this way. Um, but you know, you don't necessarily need to get that through somebody else. And you can you can love yourself as intensely as like you've loved like your greatest romantic partner, and you can turn that relationship. And I think that is a life's work. Um, I'm working on that constantly. I definitely am not in that state all the time, but I think that is a worthy pursuit. And I do think no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter you know what situation you're in right now, every single person walking the face of the earth is entitled and allowed to love themselves, right? And I think you know there might be there might be a lot of things that you hate about yourself. There might be something you might despise your situation. You might despise your work or your, 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 your peer group or your behaviors or some of your terrible habits that you have because everybody has those, those things, right? But it's like, is there some shred of yourself that you can give a compliment to, that you can give a little bit of like congratulations to and be like, you know what? You know what? That was a good thing you did there, you know, or that was a great thing that you accomplished. Can you find that little thing that you can be proud of yourself for when you're in those really dark places? Um, and the thing is, then you can nurture that, that little spark, that little spark within yourself of like, you know, appreciation for yourself, 
you know, love for yourself, you can blow on that, nurture it and grow it and it becomes a flame. And I think my flame is burning pretty good right now. I think I got more work to do for sure, but it's been an ongoing process, which I've been, I think, engaged in. And I think uh, what has led me along my, my path in life up to this point. And how would uh, someone, you know, besides when they're in that dark place thinking about, um, you know, like some shred of yourself that you're proud of or whatever, like how would you suggest or is there something you would suggest for someone to cultivate that so that when they get to the tough times, they have that feeling of, of self-love? Um, like an example would be when my brother and our best friend Munro, we tried to start our own men's group when we were like 17, 18 and it was, it was hilarious. And, um, but one of the things we did was, um, yeah, it was classic. We just ended up talking about girls and like, it was so funny, but, um, we, you know, one of the things we did was, you know, for Ben, like I, I've always been quite, um, you know, innately connected to myself and being able to feel myself and, uh, feel, feel that self-love, you know, like I went through rough times in high school and, but around about 17, 18, like it just came a bit naturally for me. Um, once I got into meditation and stuff. And something we did for Ben was literally yeah. just set an alarm on his yeah. phone and just be like, and it was just said, love yourself. And so every single day mm-hmm. he was just reminded mm-hmm. like, hey man, I mm-hmm. love you. Like, I love you, I love you. Like, do you have anything that would, uh, you know, that would resonate or be similar to that? I think that's a good example. I, I think that's a really good example, something like that. Um, you know, other guys do it with certain things, like a little totem, maybe something like a necklace they wear or a wristband, something, right? Something that you have intention around and you say, when I look at this thing, it's going to remind me to do why, right? It's going to remind me that this is, this is why I'm wearing this thing. So it's like you can, you can set intention into an object and you can be like, this is the only reason I'm wearing this wristband or whatever it happens to be right, right now is because when I get into that low space, this is something that can remind you of that little spark inside that you can, you can, you can, you can hang on to when things are really, really hard. So I think something like, like setting your alarm on your phone is pretty good, especially if that person goes into self-loathing like, like on a really regular basis, like every 10 minutes, having something, I love you, I love you. Oh, great, thanks. Uh, but something along those lines, I think is a really strong thing to do to help you. Mm, amazing, amazing. And, um, you know, we're going to wrap it up in a couple of minutes here. So yeah. let's... Um, I'd like to just ask, like, we've got a question that we ask every single person and it's like, do you have three pieces of um, either advice or something that a guy can do so that at the end of this week, you know, he listens to this and he would think like, man, I lived a bit more and regretted less this week. Like, what what have you got um, to say to do? Like three pieces of small action that they could take. I lived more and regretted less. Well, I would say the very, very first thing to do is, and this is something I do really, really frequently, and uh, I do it pretty in depth every couple of months, uh, but I do it on an ongoing basis. But if you really want to go deep with it, you know, take some time and audit your life. You know, write down exactly where you are. So your financial situation, your career, your relationships, your health, your body your mind, your, your mental state of being, you know, how close you are to achieving your goals, everything you can think of, like audit your life, right? And then look at, you know, what you want to be and your ideals, right? And, and where you'd like to be in a year from now, a month from now, whatever, and see how closely your, your 
habits and your actions on a daily basis are helping you move towards those things that you say that you want. I feel like that is a, a huge one, um, but it's, it's, it takes some work. Like it's something that, you know, you're going to have to dedicate, well, you know, at least a good half an hour to do. And you can go as deep into that as you want. But I think that it's a really valuable one people can do. So that's do a self a life audit of your own life. The other one I would say is if you're not physical or, or, or get physical exercise regularly, start doing that. Like take care of your body. You know, your body is like the, the vehicle that's going to take you through this entire life. Like clean up your diet as much as you can. That's something that I'm working towards as well because I love food. Um, but clean up your life, start exercising, get some exercise in every single week or almost every single day if you can. I feel like cultivating that habit of physicality is something that can really help men. And the third one I would say is you know, on a regular basis, as much as you can, forgive yourself for all the fuck ups you've ever done and realize that you are a human being and that one of the, one of the, the phrases I like to sort of anchor my, my thinking in is that everybody is doing the best they can with what they have, period. Everybody's doing the best they can with what they have. And, you know, life, let's not pretend that, Hey, we're going to have good moments and we're going to have fun times. But, you know, life is also going to be full of hard times and hard moments. And let's not pretend that those don't exist. Um, and let's not pretend that we can live this life perfectly and that we've been given this, this manual and say, all right, here's your life manual. Follow this to a T and you'll be perfect. Nobody gets that. And we're all doing our best to try to figure that out. Right. So, you know, no matter what you've done in the past, like, like, don't hang on to past shame, past guilt for your actions. Uh, you know, I'm not saying to, I'm not saying to let yourself off the hook for those things. Definitely want to learn from them, but do your best to forgive yourself for your shortcomings. You know, if you want to go a little further, make notes of what the shortcomings are and like vow to make do something different, to to choose to act differently, be differently in the world. And I, I think, think those, those are three things that can really help men. Man, amazing. Yeah, definitely uh, stuff that we can avoid for, and put off for a long time. You know, it's sitting down and taking that time and getting quiet enough to get down to the nitty-gritty of that planning and totally. and, and reliving and, 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 and course, you know, experiencing those things that... Sorry. No, I was just say, uh, for, yeah, again, getting really quiet and, and, and doing that. Like, again, allowing, having a space for some introspection and awareness... Of course, I'd recommend meditation, seated meditation anywhere. Uh, flotation tanks are amazing for that. Uh, or just getting alone in nature with solitude. So finding some sort of solitude and seclusion uh, will really help with that. Mm, absolutely. And so uh, let's wrap it up there so that we, the guys can find you at Float House and Vancouver Reel. Anywhere else you'd like to shoot them off in a particular direction? Yeah, totally. If you'd like to connect with me, you know, I'm always open for, for doing more interviews. There's a lot that we could have gone into here. I thought we just sort of scratched the Man, that was just like in a completely different direction than I was expecting. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, me too. Me, I mean, we could have kept jamming for sure, but um, maybe we'll do it again sometime. But if anyone wants to connect with me, just go to andyzaramba.com. 
and I'm most active on social media on Instagram. Uh, and I'm very responsive, so yeah, you contact you through the website or on Instagram. Definitely. Thanks so much, Legend. I uh, really appreciate your time, and uh, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks for having me on, Josh. This was awesome. I appreciate it. Legend, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a review. The main thing we're doing here is getting some feedback from you guys. What do you like? What do you love? What do you want more of? And that's the focus. If you can just go hit that five-star little sexy button either on your iPhone or your computer and tell us what you think.